0: Last week, I'm going to sort of catch you up. This series is based on a book by Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. I was actually there this past week with Brandy at a uh, conference this past week, and uh, he wrote this book just several years ago. If you haven't bought the book, I would encourage you to do that. You can read along, read ahead. You kind of know what I'm preaching, but I'm going to preach longer than the book is, and uh, I'm going to preach more than the book has. But uh, the book has some great, you know, personal stories, just some good stuff. Uh, In that book. I hope that you are following along with that. And the premise of the book is that I want you to have a revival. Now, uh, I don't mean revival like uh, the old school kind of revival where you think, you know, everybody gets together and somebody blows on them, somebody falls out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like not that kind of revival. I'm talking about revival like inside of your heart, like in your soul where you experience a personal revival, kind of that revival of, you know, God's spirit, kind of getting that wind back in your sails. And we said last week, I don't know if you've ever lived this way. We said there's some people that live in the doldrums, you know, you just live in that lifeless, listless environment. And how many of you have ever been so sick you just didn't want to get out of bed? Let me see your hands, everybody. This past week, Brandy and I were out of town, and our babies stayed at my in-laws, and uh, we dropped them off and, and drove to Birmingham, which is uh, not close to here. And so we drove all the way, and we were there a day or two. Brandy's mom texted, you know, we're kind we're of those, we're those parents that are worried about everything, you know what I'm talking about, and we're worried about our kids, and we want to know, and... We trust you. We just trust and verify. Come on, somebody. We just I just want to make sure you ain't killed them yet. And 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 so uh, her mom texted and said, No, no problem, no, everything's fine, no worries. Just just want to give you a heads up. Uh, your dad has the flu. <laughs> and so and so my kids are there, and so we locked you know him up in a bubble and said, Don't get around my kids. And Brandy and I, you know, we started praying that God would protect our kids, and we're we're believing that's gonna happen. They're not sick yet, so don't worry about them if they're over there with my kids and my kids aren't sick. But when when that happens, man, when you get the flu, you get something like that, you just you go down for the count. Come on, everybody, you just go. How many of you guys get that way? Like it kind of hits me that way with you know allergies or whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm something that's really bad. You know, I just, I'm down for the count, man. I'm just I'm just out. And some of us have sort of lived our spiritual life sort of in that place where you have just laid down, you just have no spirit. There's just no wind in your cell. We called that the doldrums last week. We said, man, there's just a place you can get in your life if you're not careful when there's just no spirit in it. And really, this whole series is about God's Spirit. It's about the moving of the Holy Spirit. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit of God. Most people are okay when they talk about God as our Father, and they're okay with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But when you talk about the Holy Spirit and the moving and the action and the working and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, people sort of have all these preconceived ideas and they're like, man, I don't know if it's gonna get weird or where do the snakes at, or what's so like well, what are we gonna do with all that? But it doesn't have to be like that. The Holy Spirit, the Bible would say, is like Matter of fact, in Acts the second chapter, it said it's like a rushing mighty, everybody say wind. It just puts wind back in your cells. It just, it just, it fills you back up with joy and peace and that stuff that sort of gives you life again. And if you've ever been in that place where you're depressed, or maybe in that place right now, this series is for you. So last week we said you need a, a breath of fresh air, not something from the outside. We said religion won't fix that. And if you're like me, you like to fix stuff. I don't know if you're married. Uh, today, any any married folks that you or your partner likes to fix things like that's where they're at. They're the I'm the fixer, and <laughs> I just saw a wife like nah, I'm, him. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm the fixer in our relationship, which means I don't want to talk about it. I want to fix it. I don't want to talk about what happened 10 years ago or last week or, you know, I just, I just tell me the solution. Let's get to a solution. Here's the solution. I'm an idiot. You're awesome. Let's, let's move on. Like, let's get to the solution. I'll do better. I'll change this. I'm just a fix it kind of guy. Now, a lot of people approach their spiritual life in a fix it kind of way. Let me give you an insight to that. That's called religion, and religion will never fix you. Amen, everybody? If you've lived long enough or served God long enough, you know I can't externally fix what's wrong on the inside of me that there's something inside of me when I feel that listlessness and, and, and lifelessness and depression and lack of joy and no passion and just no fire, no wind in my sails, that there's nothing I can do from the outside that's going to change that. It's got to happen on the inside. So we said last week that's got to happen on the inside of you. And for the next couple of weeks, uh, I'm just going to give you a couple of principles and sort of drop those on you, some fresh air principles of how you can live a spirit-filled, spirit-led life. I want you to be that. This church is a spirit-filled, spirit-led church, and I want you and every person that I meet to sort of have that encounter with God, that life-giving encounter with God. So here's our theme verse. If you're following along, I hope that you are and taking notes. If you're not a, a note-taker, I don't know. You've got just special memory. I really want you to take that, and I-, I want this church to become a student of the Bible. Come on, everybody. This is a Bible-based church. I am not Dr. Phil or Oprah Winfrey. Everything I'm going to tell you is in this book and I want you to get in this book and taking notes is a great way to do that. Maxwell always says that, that uh, leaders are learners and so I hope that you're taking good notes and, uh, and following along. Deuteronomy 30, 19, this is our theme verse. It says this, This day, God speaking here, He said, I've called heaven and earth as a witness against you. Here's what that means. That means that everything in your life is pointing towards whatever comes next, all right? So I know you're going to think it's just my job or it's just my marriage or, or, or I wish you'd talk about you know, finances or I wish you'd talk about this other thing because it's really all that other stuff. And the Bible says, no, 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 listen. Everything in heaven and everything in earth is a witness that you and I have a choice, that God has set before us a choice, life and death, blessing and curses. Let me let you know a little secret. If you're new to City Hills or maybe you've just been kicking the tires for a while, I want you to take your time doing that. I don't want to rush you through anything, but if you want to know what our church is all about, this series better talks about our church than anything else that I'll, I'll preach to you all year long, because this is the this is what I this is my hope for you, this is my prayer for you. This is why we started this church. We started this church for people to have this choice that we realize that all of heaven and earth sort of comes against you and says, "Man, what you know? The, everything's going crazy and, the, and life's tough, and religion has let us down, and now we have a choice: life or death." Blessing or curses, and the Bible says, "Here's what I want you don't want you to now choose life." Would you underline that in your Bible I'll put that at the top of your notes? I want you to choose life. That's my hope for you in this. And last week we said the best way for you to do that and have that life giving experience with God that that experience with God that fills you up again and you sort of puts you know fresh air back in your uh, lungs and sort of puts wind back in your cells. The first thing you got to do it's not external; it's internal. And if you weren't here last week or you didn't catch up on the podcast, the first principle we said is this, you got to fall in love with Jesus Christ. You cannot have an encounter with His Spirit if you don't take Jesus Christ at His Word. Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit, which means I have to be in an intimate, vibrant, life-giving, real, heart-level, soul-deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody? Not just religion, but something that's relationship. It's not just a list of rules. And if you grew up in an environment where it's just a list of rules and keeping the rules, i got to be honest with you, that's easier than what I'm preaching to you. Because when you have a list of rules, when you break a rule, you know you broke a rule, and you're just like, well, I broke this rule, I'll fix this, and everything will be okay. You know what I mean? But in a relationship, it's give and take. It's done out of, not obligation, because the rules say. It's not done out of duty. It's done because I'm in love. It's done out of delight. Come on, everybody. Changes everything on the inside of me. So, we talked about falling in love with Jesus last week. This week, I'm going to preach about the end times. Now, listen close. If you grew up in a real churchy environment like I grew up in, how many of you remember, like your, your pastor or some, usually your preacher wouldn't do it. He would bring some weird dude in to preach about the end times. Come on, everybody, where you at? I didn't mean weird dude, except. I, uh, yes I did it, uh, Like, uh, and we would talk about it, it would be the scariest couple of times in my, and in the church I grew up in we would never do it on Sunday because we didn't want to freak everybody out who wasn't a believer yet so we would do it on Wednesday night Bible study where my church people at Wednesday night Bible study, we'd go there and I'd be like, Mama, I'm scared. I don't want, I'll serve while well, I'll be in the nursery. Where do you want me to be, Mama? I'm scared. And we, and we did, I'll never forget one time we did this series with 13 weeks, everybody. That's a series. Come on now. That's a long series. I don't even think the tribulation lasts that long. I'm like, God, just come back. Come back now, Lord Jesus. Come back. And and, and we watched these videos, and it was the scariest thing I'd ever seen in my life. There were a horned beast and the horror of Babylon, whatever that is. And it was just—it was crazy stuff. It was just stuff was going wild. Not listen. In I got to be honest, in a couple of months we have on our preaching calendar talking about the end times. We're going to preach about that. I think you ought to know about it. But even then, we're not going to preach about it in a weird kind of way. Because everything that we do points to hope. Amen, everybody. It points to life, not death. And so even when you talk about the end times, I want to point you to hope and not, you know, animals and ten, ten horns and whatnot. Now, I, I remember, you know, leaving church thinking tonight's the night. I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to hell tonight. I'm going to hell today. I'm, I, I don't know if I want to go to hell today. It's got to be better than these videos. <laughs> I want to. Like, this is so scary. And, and so I, I got this misconception about the end time and kind of what. That whole I didn't want to go to hell. I I didn't mean that. But I got this misconception of what the end times were and kind of what they happened. And it was all about external stuff, stuff happening out there, blood moons, blood rivers, bloody wars. It was just blood everywhere. It was blood to the horse's bridle. Y'all know what I'm talking about. People who aren't from church, you're like, I don't know, this is freaking me out. (laughs) You're freaking me out right now. I didn't realize that the end times had something to do with me too. It wasn't just everything happened on the outside. It had something to do with on the inside. And I found this as I sort of began to talk about how to position ourselves To be spirit-filled and spirit-led. How to have that fresh air, that breath, that wind of God blowing in ourselves. How you position yourself to do that. And really, it's combating some end-time attitudes that happen. Here's what Paul wrote to uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. He said, but mark this. In other words, I want you to write this down. Even Paul told Timothy, you got to take good notes in church. Come on, everybody. He said, Timothy, write this down. There will be terrible times in the last days. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you like watching the news? Would you raise your hand if you're a news junkie like me? I'm a news junkie. I'm not really into sports, except I know Aubrey is a liar and the Spurs are gonna win this week. <laughs> I just know. that's the only thing I care about. If it's not about the sports, if it's not about the Spurs, I don't know. I don't know anything else about sports. But I'm a news junkie, and so I I, I get up you know before the rest of our house usually most mornings, and I'll turn I'll turn the news on. I'll flip around you know Fox or CNN or. Or MSNBC or something like that. And when branding the kids get out, I never forget. Especially, you know, early in our marriage and when we, when we first had kids, our kids were a lot, uh, you know, babies. And my, I still have a little one. They would come out and the news would be on, and she was like, "Don't like that scares me. I don't want to come out and see missiles going off. You know what I'm saying? And like, turn on Scooby Doo or something. Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to think about it. because if you just watch the news, man, come on, everybody. This passage is so true. In the last days, there are terrible times. Amen, everybody. Amen. If you just watch the news, it looks like the whole world's you know, going to hell in a handbasket. Things are tough, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat that, and I think we are living in the last days. I think it's very possible that Jesus Christ is coming back soon, relatively soon, and it's terrible times, but this is what Paul said. Timothy, I want you to know some things about the last days. It's not about signs. It's not about warnings. It's not about all that stuff. It's something on the inside of you, and listen close. He said, in the last days, here's what will happen. People will become lovers of themselves. People will become lovers of money. People will become boastful and proud, and people will lie on Instagram about their lives. I don't, that's not—it's in another version. There's a comma, in the, in the message it said it said you lie on Instagram. People will become abusive and disobedient to their parents. All the mamas say, "Man." At last days, come, Lord Jesus, for I take Him out right now. You better, you better pray for the rapture, because I'm about to, I'm about to send you home. They're disobedient to their parents. And then, and then there's four last things that I want to focus in on. Four in-time attitudes that if you if these are present in your life, you are inhibiting the move of the Spirit in your life. You can't ask for, you can't come to church and say, God, I need fresh air. I need the wind of the Spirit to blow in my life if these things exist in you. Here's the four things. I call them the four uns. The first one, if you're taking notes, is ungrateful, then unholy, then unloving, and then unforgiving. Ungrateful and unholy And unloving or without love and unforgiving. Let me let me talk about those really quick. If you're taking notes, write that first one down, ungratefulness. I, how many of you know we live in an entitled society, everybody? Everybody thinks I deserve more. I, I just want more. I, I, You know, especially people, you know, in millennial age group or even Generation X, they look at other people's lives and they think, well, I deserve that. You know, I just got out of college. I squeezed an associate's degree into eight years, whatever. And now I'm working at Whataburger, tw- you know, 20 hours a week because I'm trying to work on my music and I'm kind of a blogger. And a photographer. So I'm just saying, I can't really work right now, but I just, I want, and they look at your life, and you've been married 20 years or 25 years or 40 years, you've been working, getting up at four o'clock every morning, everybody, shoveling coffee down your throat, working all night long, two jobs, and you've got a nice house, and somebody comes along at 19 years old and said, I'd like a house like that. That's that entitlement culture that says, man, I'm, just, I'm ungrateful for what I have. I want more. It's just never satisfying. I think I deserve what you have. And, 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 and what well, we do this with technology. How many of you had every iteration of the iPhone? Would you raise your hand? Everybody kind of bow your head for doing that. But I did that. I have every iteration. I promise you, I got the very first iPhone that came out, iPhone 3, and then it went to 3G. g I upgraded that. And then iPhone 4, iPhone 5, iPhone 6. And I want the iPhone Seven right now. And it's so it's so amazing how like you don't know what you you didn't know what you were missing until until you get it, and then and then you're like, man, I got to have the next one. You know what I'm talking about? Back in the old days, we did, we didn't have an MP3 player like an iPhone to, to, to listen to everybody. And I'm not as old as everybody in the room, but I used to I used to roll out with that Walkman. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That, that come on, somebody. I used to roll out with that cassette, that Walkman, and it would pop out and fall down like that. And you put that tape in there, everybody, and slam it like that right there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Or, 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 or a Sony Discman. You remember when CDs, you had a Sony Discman? And you'd have to walk just a certain way or that junk would skip. You know, <laughs> We didn't have MP3 player. But now that you have it, I can't, I can't imagine my life. It, and I want the next one. I'm ungrateful for what I got. I just want—I want something smaller, something faster, something better. I want everything. Whatever I have, I want something else. You got curly hair? I want straight hair. Y'all know I'm little and white. I'd like to be a big black bishop. That's what I want to be. I, I, that's that's who I want to be. It, whatever you are, you want to be something. I'm sorry. If this is your first time, I'm dumb. It, I. I I want to be, everybody wants something you don't have. We're never grateful for what we do have. It's always the next thing, the next thing. I want the next thing. I I read a book, uh, or found a book about this uh, called The Progress Paradox. If you're a reader, I want you to go find that book and read that. The Progress Paradox. And basically the premise of the book says this, that the better off we are, the more miserable we are. That the more stuff I have, everybody, the more miserable I have. Because I try to fill my life up with stuff and stuff. It says that people literally today in our generation have what, what the book calls choice anxiety. That there's literally anxiety that comes because there's so many choices. Back in the day, you didn't have that many choices. How many of you grew up when you only had three channels on TV? Come on, everybody. Yeah, and you had to, you had to turn them yourself. You know what I'm talking about? You didn't have no remote, remote control. What are you talking about? Three, you, you had everything had to... It, it would, and so now there's so many choices. You still only watch three channels. You've got 200 channels. Y'all watch three of them. You know what I'm talking about. Chip and Joanne are on every channel I turn on. I, I saw, I, but we have choice anxiety because I'm never grateful for what I've got. And it's never enough. Let me tell you something. If you want to live a spirit-filled life, if you want fresh wind in your sails, you cannot do that with an ungrateful spirit. You're going, you, we're going to have to learn how as a generation, as a group of people, it doesn't matter if you're 50 or 60 or you're 25 in the room today, we're going to have to learn how to start living a life of gratefulness, everybody. Say amen to that. We're going to have to learn how to live a life beyond ungratefulness. Here's the second un. And this one's not the most popular one. It's unholiness. It's unholiness. Now I grew up in a holiness branch of the spirit-filled movement, which meant uh, we sort of leaned towards you know the idea what we called holiness, which which for us was was rules. And you know, in my life, I'm thankful for it. It was some boundaries that I'm grateful for. It was some habits. Come on, everybody, listen. But how many of you know that on both sides of the road there's a ditch? And if you go too far one way, then you'll fall in the ditch. But if you go too far the other way, you'll go to the ditch. And and there's some people who, you know, they they sort of corrected from that maybe, you know, ultra leaning in that direction towards rules. And they overcorrected in a ditch the other way. How many of you know holiness still matters to God? Say amen to that. I didn't write it. This is in your Bible. It said in the end times, there are going to be people who are unholy. Now, that does not necessarily mean that you have to follow all the rules, but it does mean this, that there's some compromises that we're making as a generation and as a people, that if you keep compromising in your life, it doesn't just destroy your spirituality. Listen, it affects your mental state and your emotional state. In other words, you're carrying around guilt and shame and it shows on your face through unhappiness and lack of joy. You're coming to church going, God, I can't figure out why I can't. There's no free flow of your spirit in my life. And it's because there's unholiness in your life. There's some compromise in your life. There's some stuff in your life that just, I gotta be honest with you, and I know it's not popular preaching, it's just sin. And I didn't call it sin, but this calls it sin. And when the Bible says there's some sin there, you gotta remove that. Come on, Jesus can forgive that, everybody. You don't have to walk out of here today carrying any of that. I wanna give you some hope beyond that, but you gotta deal with your sin. So that there's an open conduit for God's Spirit to now blow into your life. And that fresh air comes into your life. And it's, it's amazing what pollutes our lives, our music. Listen, I don't care if it's a Walkman or, or, or an MP3 player. You can't hear angry music all day, every day in your mind. And then not have anger come out of your mouth It's just impossible. You can't hear somebody talking about sexual immorality over and over and over in your mind. And then when you get along with your girlfriend, you're gonna be everything gonna be all right. Everything ain't gonna be all right. Because something's going through your mind. Your, we're polluting our minds. I'm not telling you, listen, you do whatever you want to do. I don't, we don't have a list of rules I'm going to give you to follow. I'm just telling you, if you want the, the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow in your life, you're going to have to deal with the unholiness in your life. You're going to have to deal with the attitude of unholiness. Don't look for the list of rules. This is not the church you're going to find one. Because I want you to have an attitude that goes, does this, does this open up the conduit where I can hear God's presence? Or does this clog up the conduit where I can feel God's presence? Amen, everybody? I told you it's easier to just be in a religion. It's just easier to follow rules. But when i got to sit back and go, okay, God, does this matter? Do, 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 my movies, what I'm watching, the mall, come on, what I'm wearing. I'm going to look down at my notes so y'all don't think I'm preaching to y'all. The magazines that I read. I go to H-E-B. I have a five and a half year old little girl who I'm trying to develop that that God chose her and uniquely qualified her and blessed her. She's a child of God and full of value and worth. So when we go to H-E-B, I stand in front of the magazines so she don't see all them pictures. You know why? Because I, I don't want that to pollute what she thinks about Herself. I want her to know what God thinks about her. I want her to value what God values. Her. You can do whatever you want to do. I'm just telling you, you got to be careful against the attitude of unholiness. Say amen to that. Here's the third thing I got to hurry on. It said there's ungratefulness and unholiness and then you're unloving or without love, the Bible says, without love. You know what love is? In the Bible, there's only two definitions and the predominant definition of love is a Greek word, agape love. It means unconditional love. It's love that isn't selfish. It's love that intentionally chooses something else for somebody else. It doesn't count the consequence or the cost. And the Bible says in the last days, people would not love one another. Now listen, there's a couple of ways you know what that means, like Trafficking. Do you know that there are more slaves in sexual sex, sex uh, slavery today than at any other time in human history? There are more slaves in slavery, uh, predominantly in sex slave industry, than at any other time in human history. You know, why you, can, you know why you can take a little girl or a little boy and put them in, in slavery and traffic them? You know why? Because you don't value human life. There's no love. That's that end time attitude. It's why it's worse today than it's ever been. Because there's that end time attitude that says, I want something from you and not something for you. You understand what I'm telling you? It's why our church partners with organizations like A21 to end sex trafficking to, to care for these girls and these children. God forbid that that are caught up in this horrific life. And love them and show them unconditional love. You know that disregard for life. Disregard for the unborn. But listen, you know those big things, you know what I mean? Like, Like those sort of things. Let me give you some other stuff that unloving shows up in. It shows up in your Facebook feed during election time. When you got to talk about everybody else. I've never in my life seen Christians act the way they did during this last election cycle. You listen to me very good. I know we're podcasting. Everybody around the world can hear. You listen to me very good. If you call this church home, do not get on Facebook and talk about somebody else in a demeaning or downtrodden. I don't care who they voted for. I don't care if they wrote Mickey Mouse in. We are to be known by our love for one another, everybody. We're going to be known by love. I can disagree with you and love you. There's a loving way that you do that. The Bible says in the end time, you're going to have to deal with unlovingness. Listen, our hearts get polluted through that. It's poisonous in us. And it prevents the Holy Spirit of God to being able to freely flow in our lives. Here's another one. Not only are you unloving, ungrateful, not only is there unholiness, but the last one is probably the hardest one. It's probably the biggest one and the most dangerous attitude of all, and it's unforgiveness. Would you write that down? It's unforgiveness. It's probably the most dangerous thing because the Bible said, we talked about this last week, that bitterness has a root. Bitterness doesn't just have branches. It has a root. It's the only end time attitude that grows deep and doesn't just grow out. Unholiness, everybody can see it outwardly. Unforgiveness, everybody can see you wear that on your face. Everything out, but I, I, unforgiveness has a root that comes down inside of that. Everybody unholiness, everybody can see on the outside. Ungratefulness, everybody can see. But bitterness or unforgiveness that gets down deep inside of your heart, and you can nobody can even know the bitterness that lasts inside of you for years and years. Some people have lived their whole lives, not forgiving, not forgiving, not forgiving. Uh, how many of you you ever seen a you ever seen a cooler? You know when you got a cooler full of drinks and you put ice on the top of it. You know on the bottom that little spout there. anybody ever forgot to close that little spout? anybody ever done that? And you get in the back of your car and there's water everywhere. You know what I'm talking about where the ice has melted all the way through. Listen close to me. Listen, I know it's a silly illustration, but I want you to never forget this. Unforgiveness is the spout in your life. And the reason why you can't keep joy inside your life is because it leaks out through the spout of unforgiveness. And you come to church and you pile joy on the inside of you and you can't figure out by next Sunday why it's all melted out and all leaked out. It's because unforgiveness is the spout that will drain your life full of joy. You don't have any joy in your life. You you walk around sad all the time. You, You walk around not forgiving. Listen, that will absolutely drain the joy out of it. There's some people in this room. This is a freeing word for you. I'm telling you, you're going to have to clog that up. If you want joy to actually collect in your life, you're going to have to stop the spout of unforgiveness. You're going to have to finally listen to me. Let me give you a very, very there, we have Chris, there's a Christian counselor Chris, wave your hand to everybody. Chris, a Christian counselor right here, Chris Miller. she owns a wonderful Christian counseling firm, and, and if we, we meet we, I may recommend you to, to miss or other Christian counselors in the room. Let me give you some great counseling right here. and Chris, I'm, I'm, I didn't even get a license for this. You believe that? Look at my eyes. You know how to stop unforgiveness? Look at my eyes. You just forgive. You just let it go. It's just a choice. It's just deciding we're not going to live this way anymore. I'm not going to let you rob me of the joy God has for me. I'm not going to let unforgiveness and bitterness take root. You say, well, you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter what they did to you. They're still controlling you. And you can't have fresh air in your life. You can't have the Holy Spirit of God moving in your life, active in your life, blowing through the sails of your life, putting wind back in your sails. You're stuck and you're lethargic and you're lifeless and you're listless and depressed. And it's all because your daddy did that 20 years ago somebody at some point you're going to have to just get over that and choose to forgive that's good preaching shout amen to that because if you don't it's going to drain joy out of you it's, it's going to hold you back from God's best for you and I know you think. And I told you last week when we started talking about the Holy Spirit. I know you think. When are we going to start talking about you know all the you know lightning bolts and and, and crazy stuff? And when, you know when are we going to start talking about the Holy Spirit? We're going to talk about speaking in tongues. We're going to talk about that. Listen, you don't worry about any of that till you get this stuff right on the inside of you. Because if our hearts are not in the posture for God's Spirit to blow through us, it will never. You will never live a spirit filled, spirit led life carrying around in time attitudes of ungratefulness. Here's how Jesus put it. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Listen, you thought your problem was people. No, no, no. Our problem is the devil, everybody. He wants to steal your joy and he wants to kill that stuff. He wants to destroy your passion. He wants to destroy the potential God has inside. Some of you have been stuck in a career thinking, I thought I was made for more. You are, but the enemy's coming to steal that and kill that and destroy your dreams and destroy your purpose. Jesus said, on the other side of that, I have come that they may have... I want you to get life inside of you. I don't just want you to have eternal life. I want you to have abundant life. God wants you full and happy. The question is, how do I get this? If you're there today and you're thinking, man, you've preached for 15 minutes so far. and Now tell me how to get it. Let me give you some good news. I'm going to tell you how to get there. I want you to get these end time attitudes out of your life. I want you to experience all that God has for you. Full of life. I want you to choose life. I want you to have a spirit-filled life. But your spirit-filled life begins with a choice, everybody. It doesn't begin with lightning bolts. It begins with a choice. It begins with you choosing to live a different way. To change the way you think. To change your mind. Let me give you some good medicine for these end-time attitudes. I hope that you are writing these down. Proverbs 17, 22 says this. A cheerful heart is like... A good medicine. In other words... A cheerful heart on the inside will fix what's wrong with me on the outside. A heart that's grounded in the presence of God, the Spirit of God. It's a good medicine to me. Some of you feel like your heart has been sick for so long. Your spirit, your soul is depressed and that sickness over you. And I'm not talking about clinical or I'm not talking about something that really is an issue. I'm just talking about I don't feel life anymore. I don't feel passion and purpose and that wind in my sails anymore. The Bible says a cheerful heart is like good medicine for that. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me listen close. Especially if you were raised in church or, or, or you know, you're not new to church or maybe you came from an environment that was super church or spiritual environment. Listen close. Strength, external stuff, doesn't produce joy inside of you. Listen, Look at my eyes. I grew up believing external experiences... When I experienced the presence of God on a Sunday night. Y'all don't know about Sunday night church either. And the choir was doing what they do. And it was rocking and rolling. I was sweating. Everybody was sweating. It was, and it was on the outside. I thought that outside. Listen, I'm going to help you right now. That outside experience gave me joy on the inside. That, is, that could not be further from the truth. The Bible says the joy of the Lord on the inside. Everybody say Inside. It gives me strength on the outside. In other words, I have strength for my journey not because of my experience but because of the joy, the fresh air, the presence of God that's on the inside working its way out of me on the outside. Now I have strength for anything that I face. It's not the other way around. I don't get in God's presence. I don't have an experience with the Spirit of God. I'm not filled with the Spirit so that strength, now I have that strength, that external experience and it's going to fill me up with joy. No, no, no. I've got joy. on The, the Holy Spirit begins on the inside of me and it comes out of me. That's why Jesus... Jesus said, if you get into this flow where the Holy Spirit begins to move in your life, he says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. He didn't say they flow into you, they flow out of you. It's a choice on the inside of you. The joy of the Lord. You ever looked at somebody who was going through a hard time and felt like, how do they have so much strength? How do they have that? Let me tell you how. Because they've had an encounter with God's spirit that starts on the inside of them. And the joy that they have on the inside is now coming on the outside as strength. If that's true, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Some of you would lose an arm wrestling match to my two-year-old. Come on, somebody. Because everything that comes through you, that Paul would say it this way, every wind of doctrine that blows through. He said, literally, some of you are so powerless and no strength that any bad thing that happens, <laughs> and you fall over. Any bad thing that <laughs> and you fall over. The Bible said if you want to know how do you get strength for the journey, it starts with joy on the inside of you. The, the, the great prophet Zig Ziglar <laughs> said it this way, your attitude determines your altitude, everybody. Now, hey, if I want strength for the journey, if I want to go further than that, if you want wind back in your sails, you're going to have to start making a choice. Let me give you some questions to ask yourself. Listen to me. Don't look at your spouse. But are you prone to negativity or are you prone to be positive? But you always feel like a victim. Do you always overreact to things? Don't look at your wife. You better look at my eyes. Listen to me. If you're always a nail, everything seems like a hammer. If you're always prone to the worst possible thing, the the, the negative thing, everything's wrong, everything's going to go wrong. Listen, there's just no way you can get wind back in yourselves. You have to have an attitude of gratefulness and holiness and forgiveness so that I free open the space so the Holy Spirit of God can now blow into my life. Let me give you a couple of ways through there. Let me give you some solutions. I've only got a few minutes left. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. Make the choice every day. You're just going to have to choose every day. you got to make the choice Every single day. I can't let you go without knowing it's a choice. Because there's going to be some days that you don't want to. There's going to be some days you don't feel like it. Come on, you can't trust your feelings. Because there's some days you're going to feel like doing some stuff you don't want to do. And I know you're thinking, man, my attitude is determined by everybody. You know what's wrong with my attitude? My attitude? She's wrong about my attitude. That's what's wrong with my attitude. My attitude is what. my boss, that's what's wrong, or my, my job, or my, my finances, or my lack of finances, my bank account, or my, their bank account, or what, whatever's wrong. No, no, no. It's not on the outside. It's a choice that you're going to make on the inside. You're just going to have to get up every day and choose, I'm going to live a life that is Spirit-led, everybody. I'm going to live a life where I have fresh air in my life. Hebrews 12 and 11 says it this way. Let us throw off. That sounds like a choice. That doesn't sound like lightning bolts on Sunday night. It's this throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with patience or perseverance the race that's marked out before us. He said there's some days you're just going to have to keep running and keep walking and keep... Listen, life change, salvation begins the moment you say yes to Jesus, you turn on the right road. But sanctification, the process of you being filled with the Spirit is when you start walking down that road, everybody. You gotta, it, it, you gotta when you leave today you gotta turn on the right road that's salvation that's saying yes to Jesus that's because the cross it, but, but the power of the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus then you get on the right road but just getting there won't get you anywhere I'm preaching better than you're responding it won't get you anywhere I, thank you I'm gonna, listen this is gonna be a, a life giving church if it makes a devil mad I'm gonna get somebody's gonna preach with me I promise you you get on that road, but you got to get up every day and choose to walk towards the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life. you got to choose that life. you got to decide, I'm going to get up every day and think about it. I'm going to get up every day and it doesn't matter what happens in my life. It doesn't matter what ha- How do I do that? Let me give you a way. Write this down. you got to pray first. it's, It's the reason we started this church on prayer before we ever launched this church, before you were ever in these seats, before we ever set up any of this stuff. We had 21 days where our whole team fasted And prayed for 21 days. You know why? Because we're going to build this house on prayer. Because there's going to be some stuff that started in this church. The enemy doesn't like a life-giving church. The enemy's going to fight against us. Lives are being transformed and changed. And people are being saved and baptized and filled with the Spirit. And all that stuff is happening. You think the enemy's going to sit back? No, no, no. He's going to try to steal, kill, and destroy that. You know how we combat that? We're going to pray first. It's why in January, our whole church went on 21 days of prayer and fasting. Let me let you know a little secret. You ready? In August... We're going to pray and fast again for 21 more days because we're going to go into the school year and I want your family, I want to do battle with the enemy over your family before we go into the school year. And in the fall, hundreds of people are going to come to Jesus in this church in the fall. How are we going to do that? How are we going to combat that? We're going to pray first. And Listen, if you want a life that is led by the Holy Spirit of God, you're going to have to get up in the morning before you check Instagram. You're going to have to Pray. Chris Hodges wrote this in the book. I thought this was so good. He said, this is my morning prayer every morning. He says, dear Lord, so far today I'm doing all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy or grumpy or nasty or selfish. I haven't whined. I haven't cussed at anybody. I haven't eaten any chocolate. But I'm about to get out of bed in just a couple of minutes. And I'm going to need your help after that. <laughs> listen, I, I don't care if you pray that way. I just want you praying some way. Let me tell you what. Here's what I want you to do. Every, if you haven't listened to anything I've said, I want you to listen to the next 30 seconds. I want everybody in this building. I want you to pray this way for the next seven days before we come back. I want you to write this on your mirror, put it on your refrigerator. Come on, all the Husky people, put this somewhere you are gonna see it. Everybody, this is the prayer I want you to pray: Psalms 19 and 14. May the words of my mouth, the things I say, the things I confess out loud, and the meditation of my heart, the things I think about, things going on in my mind, may they be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I want you to wake up every day for the next week. I, want you to, I literally want you to write it down. I want you to put it on a, a note card or somewhere. Put it on lipstick on your mirror. Do whatever you have to do to see it. And I want you to pray every morning. I want you to pray, God, may the words of my mouth, the things that I say, the things that are coming out of my mouth, the things in my heart, the meditation of my heart, may they be pleasing in your sight. i got to choose different today. Amen, everybody? Here's the second thing, and we got to hurry. I want you to develop a high appreciation for life if you're going to overcome those end time attitudes, you're going to have to start appreciating everything in your life around you. You're going to have to start looking around you. doesn't matter what comes your way. Paul said that I've been sorrowful, yet I've always rejoiced. I've been poor, yet I make many rich. 2 Corinthians 6. I've had nothing, and yet I possess nothing. Everything. I love how he said that. You know, the secret, Paul said, the secret to this is you got to learn gratefulness. You got to learn to just appreciate what I've got, just to high. If you want the Holy Spirit to elevate you out of the doldrums, you're going to have to start being thankful for what you got. Is it perfect? No. Is it what everybody else has? No. Is it the biggest house on the block? The nicest car? Is it the best job? No. Everything may not be right, but I'm grateful for what I do have. Thessalonians says to give thanks in. All circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're praying for the will of God in a situation in your life. Let me tell you how, for, tell you how to know God's will. You ready for this? You got to be grateful. In every circumstance. God, do I choose this house or this house? I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go into this decision thanking you that I have a house. And it's amazing the direction you'll get from the Holy Spirit. See how I'm teaching you how to be spirit led. You'll get direction from the Holy Spirit. When you start entering into that season of gratefulness. Do I take this job or this job? Well, listen close. If it makes you leave this church or move, the answer is not that one. <laughs> it's, the other, it's the other job. I, I go ahead and tell you what God's will is on that. Just go, just go into them with gratefulness. God, I thank you that I have a job. God, I thank you that I got choices. Come on, everybody. I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna go into this with a high appreciation for if it's raining, I'm thankful. If it's sunny, I'm thankful. If trials come, I'm grateful. If I'm blessed, I'm grateful. If I lose it, I'm grateful. Come on, Job said the Lord gives and he takes away, and I'm gonna bless his name both ways. Come on, everybody. Say amen to them. I'm going to develop a high appreciation for life. Here's the third thing we got to hurry. I want you to find something positive in everything. Find something positive in everything. I really should have said, find something positive in everybody. (laughs) How many of you mamas told you, if you don't have anything nice to say, some of y'all need to take a vow of silence. (laughs) Y'all need to put a robe on like a monk. Talk about... I ain't saying nothing else because I ain't got nothing nice to say. You can't have a positive life with negativities coming out of your mouth, everybody. <laughs> you can't have garbage out of your mouth and expect your life to... you got to find something positive in everything. Every situation. It doesn't matter what's going on to me. Philippians said, Finally, brothers, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or worthy of praise, I'm going to choose to think about that stuff. I'm going to focus on what's right in my life and not what's wrong in my life I'm going to focus on what I have left not what left I'm going to focus on something positive in my life here's the last thing our musicians are coming and I got to hurry I know we rushed through that but I held you late last week and they, get, they got mad at me thank you brother listen here's the fourth thing after you did make a choice after everything's decided after everything after you decide to get up I'm going to pray I'm going to put God for. I'm going to find something positive the, the last thing you gotta, and this is probably the most important you got to turn everything over to God. Listen close. You cannot have a spirit-filled, spirit-led life if you don't turn everything over to God. you got to give everything over to God. Here's, let, me, let me tell you a little secret. Listen. It can't be your problem and God's at the same time. Let me say that again. It can't be your problem and God's at the same time. It is either your problem to work out or it's His problem to work out. How many of you would rather God work it out for you? Come on, everybody. I'd rather let Him work all that out. I'd rather, I'd rather go to God and go, God, I don't know how this is going to work, but You're a way maker. God, you, you, You're able to raise dead things back to life. God, this is an easy thing for You. I would rather cast all of my cares, the Bible says. I would rather cast all of that on Him. I'm going to turn everything over to God. Philippians 4 and 6 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and petition and thanksgiving, cast all of your cares. Present your requests to God. And when you turn it over to God, then, then this happens. Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you, Listen, if you don't have peace or life or passion or joy, if you don't have that fresh air in your cells, you gotta turn that over to God. You gotta say, God, this is yours. I can't deal with this. It's impossible. It's impossible. You gotta make the choice. You gotta say, okay, God, this is yours. I'm gonna cast all of my cares, my anxiety on you. Here's the second fresh air principle. I want you to write this down, and when you're done writing it down, I want you to stand. The first thing is you gotta fall in love with Jesus Christ if you wanna live a spirit filled, spirit empowered, spirit led, fresh air, full of life kind of life you got to fall in love with Jesus. you got to make Him the Lord of your life. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a moment. The second thing is this. I want you to write this down. You have to choose a Christ-like attitude. You've got to decide in your life, I'm going to choose joy and happiness and passion and purpose. I'm going to choose to let go of unforgiveness and hurt. I'm going to choose to be grateful for everything I've got. When you do that, listen, you literally open up the conduit. The Bible says this. I don't know how this all works. Listen close. The Bible said there's some times in your life when you can open the windows of heaven. You literally, it says says when you give, when you tithe, when you put God first in your finances, that he will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. I think this is another season in your life. If you want the Holy Spirit to move in your life, You've got to, if you want it, the, the conduit, the windows of heaven to be open, you've got to choose a Christ-like attitude. You got to decide because I'm saved, because Jesus has forgiven me, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to guard my mind and protect my life and holiness. I'm, I'm going to make sure. I'm going to make sure that I'm loving my neighbor like I love myself. And in doing so, I'm literally positioning myself. Listen close. The disciples go to the upper room. You know the story. Jesus has been crucified, buried, resurrected. There's a huge party. He's only with them for 40 days. And then the Bible said He now is ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. And the disciples, the last thing He said is you go to Jerusalem and you wait until you're baptized, endued, filled with power from on high. Everybody, that's what I want. That's what I want for you. I want that power, that fresh air. So what happens, listen, what happens to you in between the command for waiting and the endowment of power is what I'm preaching to you today. It's the disciples sitting in the upper room going, I'm going to let all this go. I'm gonna forgive every Roman who did everything wrong to me. I'm gonna get right. I don't know why Jesus had to leave again, but I'm gonna get right. I'm gonna get my heart. I'm gonna cast all of my cares on Him. That's what that that it was. It was it was a waiting period in that upper room before fresh air blew into that room. Some of you feel like you're in that waiting period. That's the period for you to develop a Christ-like attitude. Amen, everybody. Take your spouse by the hand. Stand to your feet. Don't move for the next two minutes. Just stay right where you are. Nobody moving. Come on, take somebody by the hand and bow your heads. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here. Father, I thank you that in your presence is the fullness of joy, the Bible said. In your presence, lives are healed and restored and made right. In your presence, anything is possible. So, Father, I pray that your presence would fill this room. I feel it right now that faith would rise in our hearts. That we would meet you at our, our level of expectation, would meet you at your level of wanting to bless us, and baptize us, and fill us, and breathe new life into us. That fresh air would come to us. So Father, I pray. Come on, I want you to pray. Nobody's looking around. I want you to begin to pray this way. Father, remove everything in my life that would inhibit the move of your spirit in my life. Come on, if you've never prayed a prayer of salvation, you need to ask God to forgive you of all of your sins. Father, I repent. I'm going to say that because Jesus was crucified and buried and because He rose again, because He paid the penalty, He took my sins to the cross. I'm asking You to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe that. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and that God raised Him from the dead. And so God, I ask You that You would remove all of that stuff out of my life. I repent for You. God, I repent of everything in my life that that would inhibit, that would get in the way, that would block the flow of Your Spirit in my life. God, I'm asking you to save me. Come on, if you've never prayed a prayer like that or it's been a long time, I want you to say that I surrender everything to you right now. God, I'm asking you to save me of all of my sins. Forgive me of all of my sins. Make me new in this moment. I give you my whole heart, God. Don't just save me, but I make you the Lord of my life in this moment. God, I need a fresh start today. I need to start over today. I thank you for that. thank you for forgiving me. Your word says that that you're faithful and just to forgive me of all unrighteousness, to cleanse me of all of that, if I would confess that. So I confess right now, I need you in this moment. I make a fresh start with God today. God, I pray for every other person in this room who's already prayed a prayer like that, who just needs that fresh air. I pray over the course of the next several days and several weeks, there would be that moment where literally wind would blow into their sails again. When unforgiveness creeps its head up, there would be forgiveness. When ungratefulness shows up, there would be gratefulness and thankfulness. And we would begin to develop that attitude that opens up the conduit so the Holy Spirit can fill us. God, I need that fresh air. I want that in my life. I need wind in my sails. I choose life today. In Jesus' name. Come on, say that. Say in Jesus' name. By His power and authority. Everybody shout Amen. Come on, let's give God praise all over the house.